Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Healthnetics. Do you have nagging aches and pains from your younger, more athletic days? Healthnetics CBD is a premium brand CBD that may help take care of aches and pains, as well as relieve anxiety and sleeplessness. Healthnetics products are all natural, THC-free, made in the USA, and undergo third-party lab testing to ensure quality and purity. All CBD is not the same. Order today with a money-back guarantee at healthnetics.com and use promo code SPORTS for 20% off. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. Jose Youngs here with MMAfighting.com here with another episode of the A-Side live chat on, of course, MMAfighting.com because you already knew that. You're on MMA Fighting's YouTube page. Uh, with me on this side, but on the other side of the world, PC Carroll, long time coming. You haven't been on in a long time. Uh, Woo! Let's see, where have you been since the last time we saw you? Uh, you were in Dublin for Bellator Dublin. Uh, you did Abu Dhabi. Um, you, did Me- you did Melbourne, as you like to call it. Melbourne, Melbourne. Born. Yeah, okay. okay. Stop with the Melbourne. Jeez. One of us is wrong, and it's not Jose Young. So he was in Melbourne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> off to a fantastic start. But people have been asking me the whole time, where's Pizza Carroll? Where's Pizza Carroll? Where's Pizza Carroll? The last UFC podcast, last podcast, last UFC event, I covered in Anaheim. More people ask me about you than the actual podcast. They go, where's Pizza Carroll? I go, he lives in Ireland, man. I don't know what to tell you. He's not in Anaheim right now. So, but it's good to hear that Pizza Carroll has fans all over the world. But he is back. I specifically asked him to be on this episode of the A-Side because, of course, he was down under for a historical UFC 243, which we're going to get right into in a minute. But, of course, Pizza, how are you? It's been a minute. What you been up to outside of covering fist fighting? Uh, absolutely nothing. I don't have time for anything else. Just loving my dog, and that's pretty much it. That's all I've got. But um, it's funny you mentioned that um, people asked where I was because I was at an event last week, and nobody knew who the fuck I was from the first second I walked in there. They just kept walking up to the two legends, Casey and Esther, and I was very upset. I was will- I was thinking about paying someone to walk up to me while they were around to put me over a bit, but uh, didn't have any cash to hand, so, I mean, I just had to get on with it in the end, you know? Sure. Well... <laughs> No one has ever recognized me. And here in the States, you got a lot of fans, specifically what about in Mike Anaheim. Perry? Yeah, that's true. Mike, well, Mike Perry is a big fan of mine. Uh-huh. But out here in the States, people love Pizza Carroll. I can't during the open workouts, UFC 241, the whole time I just hear, Jose, where's Pizza? I'm just like, I'm fine. How are you guys? But of I've course. Gotta, I've gotta release a calendar or something next year. I guess so. <laughs> 
And the official MMA fighting merch is going to be PC Carroll calendar spread across all of Ireland. I'd buy it. I'd hang it up right right behind me, right here. But we're going to jump right into the questions. I have not looked at any of the questions. PC has not looked at any of the questions because, as he says, that's cheating. This is, of course, and I speak when I say your guys, the audience, if you want, it's your podcast. Whatever question you want to ask, if you want to ask PC about his incorrect assessment on the Joker, you can ask him about his incorrect assessment on the Joker. Uh, you can go on the MMAfighting.com, the post. You can leave your comment in the comment section, or you can use hashtag the ASAT on Twitter. I promise we're going to get to Twitter. Everyone always says go to Twitter. You all ask the same questions on the site and Twitter, but I promise you we will get to Twitter. But right out of the gate, someone's telling me my microphone isn't on. Great. I don't know. The microphone looks good to me, but we're going to hop right in. I can hear you. I can hear you. All right. People can hear me. Izzy and Jones from Rob Holland. What, good day to you, sir. What are your thoughts on the beef and potential fight between Israel versus John? Some people would like to see this fight right now, like Jed said in the, Monday, in the morning report. But I see absolutely no need for this fight soon. Sure, later down the line when Israel is defended, let's say, four times. Why are people always so quick to jump to these super fights right away? For me, a super fight between two dominant Champions, each with their own extensive title reign. Think GSP versus Silva. The counter argument, of course, is that if you don't do it now, it has the potential of not happening at all. By the way, what is your definition of a super fight? So, PC, you were on the scene for Israel Adesanya's historic second round knockout of Robert Whitaker. I feel like all week people were asking about John Jones, speaking about Israel Adesanya. He was asked at the press conference about John Jones. So, what are your thoughts on a possible super fight, whether it's now? Or down the road between Israel Asana and John Jones? I like it down the road. I don't think it's important to do it now. Um, I think when you speak to Izzy, he is very, um, he, you know, he has, he has well thought out plans on what he wants to do in this sport. And I think one of the key things that he wants to do is defend this belt, possibly try to defend the belt as, as many times as Anderson Silva and Demetrius Johnson. These are the people that he's referencing when he's speaking about what his legacy is in the sport. Why put him in against Jones now? Fair enough, Jones has cleaned out the division a few times over, but Izzy's just getting started, and middleweight is thriving at the moment. Look at this guy. He's at the post-fight press conference talking about Jared Cannonier. He's going to make stars in that division. I don't think there's any need to, to put him in against Jones straight away. That's going to be on the slow burn, as Casey Lydon put it over there, and I completely agree with him. I don't see anyone really rattling Jones's greatness for a long time. Why get another champion to go up and, and take, take the kind of the fire away from one of them that they both seem to have right now. I don't think that fight needs to be made now. Maybe, like, and also, Izzy doesn't seem to struggle to make that weight class at all. Look at the amount of things he did in the way, during the week ahead of this fight. It's, it, other fighters would be crippled underneath the pressure of all these events. I don't see why the hell we'd want to move him to 205 now. Not, not, not immediately. When he becomes uh, one of the great champions at middleweight, which I think he's capable of, that's the time to do a super fight with John Jones.
Which one? Look, she only takes amazing photos. She's the greatest boy by a country mile. Oh my uh. god, man. Even the even the even the picture took a Robert Whitaker looking at the screen of his knockdown uh, just before the second round starts is is just or is unbelievable and and like I mean you could talk about so many pictures sorry I cut you off you you go ahead but she's absolutely unbelievable she's the greatest yeah I, and apparently I was muted for like thirty seconds in there so no one even heard what I was saying anyway but we're gonna I'm gonna continue rattling on like everyone heard me there's an amazing photo that Esterlin took of. Uh, Israel Adesanya jumped up on top of the octagon cage and was giving the double birds to Paulo Costa sitting octagon side. Paulo Costa is telling him like it's me and you right now. It's me and you. He's all he's in a very flamboyant shirt. You can't miss him. He looks like he looks like Superman even when he's not wearing that shirt. But he was there. He said he was going to fly out. Israel Adesanya after the press conference you were at, someone asked him was Paulo next, and I think he said we'll see. Uh, so I hope that's not him going back on what he's been saying the last few months. I was a little alarmed hearing that. But I think Dana White said Paulo Costa's next after he beat Yolo Romero. Israel Asana already has his eyes on Jared Cannonier. He said he wants to defend his title a few times before fighting John Jones. He said, I believe it was to you, did he say, uh, Raider Stadium 2020 in Las Vegas. Uh, that's the giant... 2021, that's the giant NFL stadium uh, being built in Las Vegas right now. So if Israel Asana keeps this trajectory and John Jones keeps winning, that sounds like a, a fantastic place to have Israel Asana versus John Jones. Because like you said, it's not like Israel Asana struggles to make this way. What did he come? Did he come in under 185? Didn't he come in like 184.5 or something like that? So I think he walks around at maybe 190, 193. It's a lot harder to balloon up to 205. Than to for than to make 185, and again, it's a little weird for me that John Jones is the one saying that's teasing Israel Adesanya that like, you won't come up, you won't come up. Maybe you'll have what did he say? Maybe you'll have confidence to come up when this last few years people have been saying the same thing about John Jones moving to heavyweight, and now he's trying to get a middleweight to come up at just after he won. I don't know what your thoughts on the matter is, but it seems like it's it's it's. I don't think it's a good look for John Jones to be calling out a middleweight right now when people are asking John Jones to move up to heavyweight. It's uh, it's funny because in the lead up to this event, I talked so much about the star making power of this. If Israel won, what it would mean for the UFC, and it completely uh, turned out to be true. But like the fans are always going to say, "No, it isn't. No, it is." I can remember we we uh, we put out a poll on our Instagram page before this event, and seventy percent of people picked Robert Whitaker to win this. I mean, and then revisionist history to like, no, no, I had Izzy and all this stuff. But let me let me tell you how 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 big I think this kid's gonna be. Um, I believe when when and if that fight ever happens, he will be bringing most of the interest to the contest. I think he's gonna be the big name that that uh, you know, the big name between him and Jones when that eventually goes down. And to be honest, look how fun that fight is. Uh, with Paolo Costa look at the dynamic those two guys have why would you not want that fight to happen why would you want anything to get in the way of that fight happening it's fantastic um, Israel spoke about it at the post fight press conference Oscar Willis asked him about it from the Mac Life and he was saying like look at Paolo he looks like a superhero he looks like the guy that everyone thinks is tough Let, I want to be the guy to beat him so people go oh my god and that's what it would do 100% a casual fan seeing Paolo Costa and Izzy standing beside each other I think I know who they'd favour just based on the physiques alone but I do not boy into the whole skinny thing with Izzy he looks absolutely outrageous man the guy the guy's physique is outrageous and that's the way I like to see it guys not cutting a lot of weight to to fight in their division and and potentially dominate their division yeah Izzy's uh, a tall middleweight so it's he's 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 similar to John Jones in the fact that he's not absolutely 
monstrous like Yo Romero and Paulo Costa, but he's a lot taller than these middleweights, so he can afford to. What is it like? He, his muscles are. I don't know. I don't know the, the phrasing, but he doesn't need the muscles because he's taller than everyone. But the second half of this question by Rob Holland: What is your definition of a super super fight, PC Carroll? Two dominant champions from two divisions facing off against each other. Yeah, I think. Can you name many super fights that have happened in the UFC outside? Like, yes, we've had double champs. We've had champ versus champs. I think uh, Stipe Miocic and Daniel Cormier was a legitimate super fight. Uh, can you name what? How many super fights do you think we've had in the UFC? I don't know. McGregor v. Alvarez was one. Uh, GSP v. Bisping was probably one, even though uh, GSP was away for a long time before that. And um, Bisping had only defended the title maybe once before. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's probably um, that's all I can think of off the top of my head, to be honest. But um, I'm, there probably is more. Uh, I would say Amanda Nunes and Chris Cyborg would be one of them. Uh, yeah, Cyborg yeah. was the greatest. That, would, that legitimately was the... the a battle over who is the greatest female mixed martial arts of all time, Stipe. Would Joanna and Shevchenko check out for that? I know Joanna wasn't the champion right at strawweight at the time, but she was an incredibly dominant champion at strawweight before she went up to fight Valentina. Would that count I for guess, you? I guess it would depend on what people consider. If, do you have? Does this have to be champion versus champion for it to be a super fight? Like we've had GSP versus BJ Penn before. I think that was like a bit. That was a big super I, fight. I think you have had to have been a champion. Like say, like Randy Gautor and Tim Sylvia felt like a super fight when it went down as well. Um, Dan Henderson versus Anderson Silva, even though they're same weight class, because Dan came from Pride and Anderson was a dominant champion in the UFC. Like Rampage and Chuck, like stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a few, like, I mean, but um, sometimes super fight gets thrown around a bit too loosely. I, I, I do agree with you. Okay. It's, it's making us think about it even, and we're nerds. I might be a little bit more of a nerd than you, but how about Nate Diaz versus Jorge Masvidal? Do you think that's a super fight? It's a blockbuster fight. I don't know if it's a super fight. I would agree. I know our own Danny Segura when they uh, they initially remember a couple months ago there was that report that Corey Masvidal was going to fight Nick Diaz and Danny Segura was like that is a super fight. I've been asking for this fight forever. That is the definition of super fight. So if Corey Masvidal is the needle mover he is and Nate Diaz is obviously the needle mover, if you're just looking at metrics right now, that's a super fight. Those are the two most popular fighters not named Israel Adesanya on the UFC roster. Yeah, I get you, but I mean. So I, I suppose super fight, the definition of super fight is uh, pretty loose, right? Is that what we're trying to do? Are we trying to come out with the definitive meaning of super fight right now? Cal, whatever you said is going to be the absolute definition of super fight from here on forth. So choose your words yeah. carefully. Dominant champion versus dominant champion. Masvidal v. Diaz is not a super fight. It's a blockbuster marquee. <laughs> And there you have it, folks. The definition of the super fight is in the books. I'm going to call Webster Dictionary right now. But we're going to move right along from LM, LFMWA, longtime commenter, middleweight, the new moneyweight. Yo, middleweight is popping. Really seems like having some of these old heads move up to 205 really breathes new life into both divisions. Is Israel Adesanya a new champ with devastating style? Paulo Costa is actually the Hulk. Jerry Cannonier controls the universe. Robert Whitaker, hopefully back from the dead, health returns in less than 12 months. So, PC Carroll, middleweight division, and all of a sudden, one of the most exciting divisions in the UFC. And we talked to Danny Segura last a couple weeks ago. We we were t remembering the time when the middleweight division was basically the top. Seemed like the top five was Sandstone. You had Wyden, 
you had Rockhold, you had Romero, you had Jacques Array, um, and then you had like Anderson Silva and Michael Bisping floating around in there. Uh, and all of a sudden, you have Israel Asanya emerges on the scene, Robert Whitaker emerges onto the scene, and now middleweight division, that top five is now no longer the same, but it's as exciting as ever. Uh, as someone who saw the culmination of now we finally have a unified middleweight champion. We no longer have an interim champion and a reigning champion. We have an undisputed unified middleweight champion of the world. Jared Cannonier starts Jack Hermanson in Copenhagen. Your thoughts on this new, as, as LFMWA said, middleweight, the new money weight. Yeah, I think it's a great division, and that's why I'm so against the Jones fight right now. I mean, let this play out a bit. Um, also, just from a European point of view, Till could be a huge addition to that. I don't like that first fight with Gaslam. I, I really don't like that fight one bit for him. But, I mean, I think they could have paved his way into that division a bit better. And if they had have done, it could have been a big thing because, once again, it's another striker. It's another guy who's going to mix it up very well with Costa and Stoilbender. At least on paper, people would find that an interesting dynamic. Um, I don't think Hermanson is going to be... Um, going away it was a bad loss to Cannonier, but he's also there I think there's a lot of interesting guys and they both they all have their different kind of things about them that is interesting um so yeah I think I think it's absolutely amazing at the moment and, and that's why they need to keep the division together rather than let guys jump up to different weight classes etc yeah and like LFMW LFMWA said I think <laughs> I hear so many letters. So LFMWA, tell me what this means. I read your questions every week, and I still have no idea what those letters means. But L- uh, all right, sorry, go ahead. You, yeah, you think about it, and you then that'll be your promo at the end of the at the end of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> For people not people listening and not watching, PC Carroll is literally writing down an acronym he's trying to say. But PC uh, LFMWA also asked, is this a product? of fighters leaving the middleweight division. We, see all, we saw Luke Rockhold move up. We saw Jacare move up. We saw Chris Weidman is moving up, Anthony Smith, Diago Santos. Is this mass exodus at middleweight, uh, which people said would maybe made this division so thin? Would we be in the same scenario now if those names I said hadn't left the middleweight division? Well, I'm sure they'd be spotted around in the top 10, of course. But, I mean, let's not – like, I feel like – MMA fans are so bad for this. Like, as soon as Whitaker loses, they're like, oh, well, he's shit now. He, like, he was brilliant. Like, he, he bet Yol Romero twice. I mean, he bet, um, like, I feel like that should speak for itself. Like, Yol Romero is a terrifying, terrifying man. And this guy has beat him twice. And then he gets overwhelmed to become, uh, for Israel to become the champion. Like, yeah, I'm sure it would look a bit different. But, I mean, Hermanson beat Jacare soundly. He beat him soundly. Um, these guys like these guys deserve their spots here and to be honest the fighters who moved up they've had better success in the new weight class so they should have been there all the time probably you know what I mean like that's like I don't think that's fair to say that these guys are only rising to the top because people have left those guys left because they couldn't get to the top that's where they were gone yeah, and I guess it's, it's the, the gap between 185 and 205 is so massive. I mean, Chris Weidman himself said that this was eventually happened. Jacare said he teased it for a long time. But when we spoke to not – this is, he's not a light heavyweight or middleweight. We spoke to Michael Chiesa at UFC 240. He was one of those guest fighters. And he said that he should have gone up to welterweight years ago because 155 was killing his body. He was making him miserable. He wasn't, he wasn't enjoying life. And we asked him, like, if welterweight – if you're so good at welterweight now and your body feels healthy, why didn't you move up? Why even start at 155? And he said, I was in the top 10 at lightweight. 
I didn't want to leave that and start over in a new division against lesser ranked fighters. I could have fought for the title in two or three fights. So maybe that's where Rockhold and Wyman were. Like after Wyman loses to um, Jacques Array, maybe that was like, I'm not anywhere near. I'm just as close to a title fight in middleweight as I am a light heavyweight. Now's the time. Maybe Rockhold was the same way. Maybe Jacare was the same way. There was an excellent write-up by our own Guillermo Cruz about Jacare going through uh, bouts of depression uh, leading Amazing up to his fight. Unbelievable article where he was literally crying on his way to the gym uh, in preparation for Jack Romance. And he really felt like the guy that did the company right, took any, uh, any and all comers, fought Chris Camozzi twice, fought Tim Bosch, fought Jack Romanson, fought all these guys that he just wanted to do and he never got the title fight absolute bummer that he never did but now he gets a shot against john block of its ufc sao paulo but we're gonna move right along we got a couple questions about Ioana and jaychik asking us to pick the fight between michelle water and Ioana. that fight might not even happen i haven't looked at the update since this podcast started but last i heard pizzi Ioana was struggling to make weight she might not make the weight now there's talks of maybe she fights maybe someone in a catch weight maybe michelle waterson doesn't take the catchweight and she moves to UFC 244 to fight Jessica Andrade. I know Mackenzie Dern's on that card too. So I'm not going to ask you to make a prediction, but what do you make of this whole situation that we've we that literally started moments before we went on air? I'm very surprised by it because we were only speaking to Joanna maybe three weeks ago on Eurobash and she really, we were buzzing after talking to her. Like she felt so reinvigorated. She gave us a brilliant interview where she, in one sentence, compared herself to Conor McGregor and Freddie Mercury. So, I mean, it's, um, it was unbelievable. And I, I'd like to hear that she's having trouble with the weight. Um, it kind of shocked me a bit because she really had me believing everything she said, you know, and it sounded like there was going to be no hesitations. There's going to be no problems getting down to the weight class. Um, it's very interesting that, you know, this far out, I heard like she had told the UFC, you know, uh, some reports are saying like up to last week that she said this. Like, I mean, that's a like, I'm not even coming near this. I'm not even in the, it, it, like in the conversation for strawweight at the moment. And um, I think, are they talking about 119 pound catchweight? Is that what's being said? Uh, I don't know the exact number, but I guess they had offered Michelle Waters in a catchweight and she doesn't want to do it. That's the last yeah. I heard. I haven't looked since we, since we went on air. It's not Watterson's fault, you know, like this is the thing. Um, so I can understand where she's coming from completely. But again, this is the kind of fight that could make Watterson like, you know, it could really put her on the map, like even though she's already a big name, but a, a victory over Joanna would mean so much to her right now. It's just disappointing because the fight itself is just amazing. It's just a two brilliant, brilliant strikers facing off against each other. And I couldn't wait for it. Like since this has been announced, I've been dying for this fight to happen and you know, in MMA, generally, there's no smoke without fire. And I, I, I just, I have my doubts it will take place now at all. And that's that's really shitty for us, unfortunately. Yeah, it's 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 not just unfortunate for the fans, but look at that division. I mean, a lot of people were looking at this as a number one contender fight with uh, Tatiana Suarez. A lot of people believe she was the uncrowned champion, but she hurt her neck uh, back at UFC 238. So she, when Wiley Zhang got the title shot over her, she didn't have an issue with it because she needed to recover. Now, Joanna and Jacek and Michelle Watterson seemed like the most logical number one contender fight for Wiley Zhang. Wiley Zhang is a is one of the breakout stars, if not the breakout star of 2019. Apparently, Joanna and Jacek turned her down three times. If that fight eventually, say Joanna wins and that fight eventually happens, that's a that's a huge money fight, especially in especially in the Chinese market. Michelle Waters, one of one of the most popular fighters, not to win a championship. She, she fights Wilder. That's another big fight. So it's this is just an absolute bummer for the division, not just the fans. 
Yeah, I was just about to say that to you. Like, I mean, Zhang must be like, shit, like, what's going to happen as well? Because, I mean, that's a huge fight. Like, there's no, like, I put out the article, um, Joanna told us she turned down uh, Zhang three times. And she she said in the thing, like, she goes, at that stage, she needed me. And people are like, oh, what are you talking about, Joanna? I was like, no, that's that's pretty much exactly, like, uh, Zhang is this unbelievable athlete um, it's uh, bulldozing through the division, but she did need Joanna before she got that unexpected title shot. She would have gained massively from fighting Joanna at that stage. I don't know why people are like, "Oh, what's she talking about?" No, that was a hundred percent what was going on there. She would have gained so much from it, and I'm sure she's going, "Well, Jesus, who's going to put me over and make me the bona fide, the dominant, a, a big name around the world? This is the champion." It was Joanna. Like it is someone like Joanna, and had Waterson beat Joanna, she would have had that value to then take into a fight with Zhang and put her over. So I'm sure that everybody in that top five at strawweight is thinking, shit, is Joanna leaving this division for good? And it is worrying for them because without a doubt, I think um, in the Western world, she's the biggest name in that division. Oh, without a doubt. Uh, without without a doubt. If if she does leave the division, though, it would be a little, it would be a bummer. She's the most, she's the most dominant champion, obviously, of that division. She's one of the five. One of the most great dominant. European fighters. One of the great was, European fighters of all one time. Of the, one of the great, not male or female, one of the greatest European fighters of all time. One of the greatest female, one of the top five greatest female fighters of all time. She really, really wanted to break Ronda Rousey's title defense record, but obviously she lost. She ended up losing to Rose Namajunas. Uh, it would be a big blow for that division, but again, if she can't make it, I'd much rather see her fight at 125. She said after she lost to Rose the first time that she her big announcement that she had been teasing all week was she wanted to move up to 125 and fight Valentina Shevchenko or fight someone for that title. Ended up happening. We saw how that played out. Uh, it just It's a bummer that we would lose her in that division and be a bummer for that division as a whole. But if she does leave, who gets the next title shot, P.T. Carroll? If she does leave, I, I guess maybe do you just give it to Watterson? I mean, I, I don't, I don't know. Um, Tatiana Suarez, um, I really don't know. It's really messed it up because I guess, as you said at the top of the show, everybody saw this as the number one contender fight. I mean, nobody was really looking beyond this, like because of the star power of uh, Joanna and uh, Watterson. <clears throat> it would have made perfect sense for either of those to go in against Zhang and put her over onto a new level. And and I'm sure she would have been rubbing her hands together for that fight because she is an absolute beast. Without, yeah, there's, yeah. If, if, if Michelle, I, one report I had read, again, I haven't read it since we started there, was I guess the UFC maybe even offered Michelle Watterson a fight against Jessica Andrade at UFC 244 in New York. It's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. Jessica, that's a dangerous fight for her to take. Jessica Andrade is a very dangerous stylistic matchup for her again a completely different style fighter than you want in Jason so she would have to completely change her camp fight a smaller a smaller a shorter fighter a harder hitter a completely different style of human being inside the octagon a three-round fight it wouldn't be a five-round fight I don't know if you take that maybe if you be if you want to stay active sure but I don't know if I'd take that if I'm Michelle Watterson no I think she's got to be clever here it's just a tough situation I don't know like, you know, the way Joanna was speaking about it, I just didn't foresee this. Like, I mean, she seemed excited. She seemed like, I feel like it is her health at risk here. So, you know, I'm not going to be pointing fingers and screaming and shouting about it or anything. But um, the way she was talking about it, I just never foresaw anything like this happening, you know. And, and she kind of spoke about the trouble she encountered before the Rose fight. And I just, I just... The way she was speaking, I just didn't think weight was going to be an issue anymore. I just thought she had a new team, a new look at this situation. And uh, unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case. 
Unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be the case indeed, but there's still great fights on that card. I don't know. I don't want to get into it because we might have more questions coming down, but like Crone Gracie returns on that card against Cub Swanson. I know uh, Guillermo Cruz has been counting the days until Crone Gracie steps back in the octagon. He was very disappointed when he didn't fight on that big real card back in May. Uh, he, he's, he could be a big needle mover. I think he could be a really big star for that. Not just the division, but the whole UFC. But we're going to move along. Uh, from another question from Rob Holland. PT, I think you, you would be a better answer for this since you were right there. Bobby Knuckles. Where does the man with the coolest nickname go from here? I personally thought he did okay in the fight. He fell in love with the same sequence a bit too much. But other than that, I believe it's still he is still a force to be reckoned with in the rejuvenated middleweight division. The winner of Gaslin Till is a good option. Plus, he is still only 28. If you can keep injury free, I personally see him rebounding from this loss. How about you? So, yes, PC Carroll, before I kick it over to you, Rob Holland said he thought he was Whitaker was doing okay. You were at the post-fight press conference where Robert Whitaker said he thought he was doing well until he wasn't. He thought he really was performing at his best, and he had was finding success against Israel Asana until he got clipped those two times. I spoke with Kelvin Gaslam yesterday at the Dominance MMA Management Media Day, and he completely disagreed with what Robert, mm. Robert Whitaker's assessment. He said he watched it, and he was not only disappointed in Robert Whitaker's performance, he felt like after watching Robert Whitaker's uh, skill set and what he brought to the octagon, that he felt cheated out of a championship when they were supposed to fight in February when uh, Robert Whitaker ended up pulling out of the fight and then Israel Asanya Anderson Silva got bumped up to the main event. He goes, I would have dropped that Robert Whitaker like a sack of potatoes. I felt robbed. I felt cheated out of a title. At the end of the day, it doesn't end up mattering because he lost Israel Asanya anyway. Kelvin Gaslam completely disagreed with Robert Whitaker's take. You were there. You saw it. You probably had a better vantage point than any of us. You're taking Robert Whitaker's performance inside the octagon and where he goes from here. Yeah, I, I had to watch it again because after, like, when you're in the arena, right? Like, I, I'm cage side, a lot of movement in that fight. Like, people with, with Robert charging Adesanya down, they're kind of disappearing behind posts. And I'd see, like, Robert lunging and I'd hear the crowd exploding. So, like, it was 60,000 people cheering for uh, Rob pretty much. So, it was kind of dizzying at that point. And I thought, after watching it back while I was there, I thought the first round was way more competitive than it actually was. Um, and, and Casey, to be fair, when I came back to him, he had watched it on the broadcast view and he had kind of said, look, I think Izzy was in control of this fight throughout. And I agree with him after watching it the second time. Um, but in terms of Whitaker and his future, the greatest evolutions in Whitaker's career have come from defeats. So if you imagine he had lost at 170, that prompted his move up to middleweight. He goes on an eight-fight win streak, takes the division by, by storm, beats the boogeyman of the division, gets the belt. I mean, I feel like it was uh, it was very tough, you know? I felt like um, I feel like he can come on and he can be even better now. And I think the lack of activity he had ahead of this fight really screwed him over. You know, I think, um, you know, he just... It was almost like he was trying to prove himself... Uh, right, the fact that he had taken this time off and he was saying, I needed that time off and maybe Israel should have taken more time off than he did. And then he's like rushing forward, bulldozing forward, trying to catch him. 
you know, when we were drawing parallels between that performance and Ronda Rousey's against Holly Holm in the same arena. But um, yeah, I certainly think he will be back up there. Even Israel himself said to me at, at the post-fight press conference, look, I went over and I told him straight away, we're going to be having a rematch in the next couple of years. There's no doubt about it. He thinks maybe two more wins and Whitaker will be right there. Because when he looks impressive, he looks really goddamn impressive. So um, yeah, I, I think Whitaker is far from done. And people forget, he's a lot, he's younger than Izzy. He's 28. It's it's crazy to think about it, but yeah, he's younger than uh, Idasanya. So I mean, yeah, I definitely think he's going to be back, and I think he's going to be a force to be reckoned with in the future. If you were Robert Whittaker's camp, who would you like to see him face? Is the winner of that Till Gaslam fight the one to make, or is, do you take a Jared Cannonier fight? I I don't think anybody wants to fight Jared Cannonier after he upset the apple cart in Copenhagen. Um, yeah, I'd like uh, like I mean, I. <sighs> I think you could fight any of them, really. Like, I mean, it, it would, I think it would, for me, it's very interesting to see how he does when he returns. I mean, even if Till uh, loses to Gastelum, maybe that's the fight. Maybe Hermanson, maybe someone else that's coming off a loss that has uh, something to gain. But, you know, I, I see anyone in that top 10 as an interesting fight for Whitaker. And I guess he's going to want the, the, the biggest name that's there. And, it's just very hard to predict. You know how the things change in this sport from week to week. It's it's very hard to predict. But yeah, not a bad shout. Uh, Gaslam v Till winner. But you know Gaslam's gonna be shouting for that Adesanya rematch if, if you know he wins that fight. And of course he should. He gave him the uh, the closest fight he's had in the UFC. So why wouldn't he? Yeah, and uh, but the one thing Israel Adesanya did is he named Paulo Costa and he named Jared Cannonier. And you know if a champion is dropping your name, that kind of shortens. The pathway to the gold like yeah he said he would rematch Colin Gaslam down the road but if he's bringing up Jared Cannonier, who's I, did you watch any of the post fight stuff from the UFC Copenhagen card Jared Cannonier carries around crystals he says it like balances his chakra and his energy and everything he has like he's like carrying a, a, a ball like I don't know what it is some mineral he, he walks around with that like for people not watching right now I wish you could see Pizza Carroll's face it is absolutely unbelievable but he was on the UFC at ESPN desk and he had like a, a thing a, a ball of pyrite and he's like this uh, wards off negative energy and it really allows me to perform at my optimal performance inside the octagon and I was like I want to what? see this man fight Israel Adesanya so badly because that's just a clash of characters right there. And I think it would just be so fun in the lead up to that fight, seeing Jared Kanner carry around crystals and seeing Israel Adesanya talk about anime. I would love everything about it. What the hell has happened to America that this is a thing? I mean, Jesus Christ. I mean, we all think you're weird as it is. And now he's a carrying around crystals before you go into, you know, bludgeon another man. I don't know. Um... Look, when you yeah. saw what happened, you saw how he won. You're telling me the crystals didn't work. <laughs> I thought that was a, a crazy fight for Hermanson to take, to be honest. I, like, I, I've, like, if you can imagine, they dangled that, that berry in front of him. Like, you in Copenhagen, you get that win. You come across as this huge star in Scandinavia, and then we get you into that title fight. And he's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll fight anyone, actually. And they're like, Jerry Cannon there. And he's like, shit. Oh. <laughs> But like he was even saying it before. He goes, yeah, okay, I wanted to go with a bigger name value, but this guy is terrifying. Like you told us that on Eurobash. He was saying like, this is a crazy competitive fight. Like, and this is the only guy that will fight me in Copenhagen. And I was like, oh man, that is a shit situation. And now he's bringing crystals. 
Jesus. Hey, man, the power of the crystals broke the hearts of everyone in Denmark. So don't knock it until you try a Pizza Carol. Next time we have bad audio, I'm going to blame the fact that I don't have any crystals around me. We're going to get this sorted out. We're going to get some crystal on our hand. I'll get Derek Cannonier <laughs> on the case now. Don't ever make that face on this podcast again, especially when we talk about crystals. We're going to move along. Americans are so crazy. It's insane that that's a thing. I can't believe that's a thing. Yeah, well, what you gonna do? You are you. Next time you talk to Jerry Cannonier, you tell him what you told me, and I want you to tell me his answer. But I'm gonna give the listeners a little. <laughs> I'm gonna give our live listeners a little update from Ara Hawani said, and this is his tweet. He's told Joanna and Jacek had a good workout this AM and does not want the fight to get canceled. After it was made clear Team Watterson was not interested in a catchweight, Joanna has decided to do everything within reason to make 116 pounds. She'll be at the open workout later today. So there you have it, PT Carroll. Apparently this fight is still on. It's not officially canceled. To me, it really sounds like Joanna couldn't make the was struggling to make the weight, uh, wanted to call it. Maybe was maybe thought Michelle Watterson would take the fight no matter what. Michelle Watterson called her bluff, and now Joanna and Jacek is trying to make 116, but that fight is not officially canceled. She's doing everything within her reason to make 116 pounds. I see a lot of questions in that comment section, so uh, there you have it, folks. Joanna and Jason That's a bad move. That's a bad move. Not like, canceled. I mean, historically, um, Joanna has talked at length about how much that weight cut before the first Nami Yunus fight affected her, and that was the most devastating loss of her career. Um, so do I think this is a good idea? Absolutely not. Uh, really don't like this stuff. Uh, it's worrying. Um, yeah, it's not good. It's not a good look for the sport. And now we're going to have everyone's eyes on this weigh-in on Friday. And a person could potentially be in a very bad way on the scales. And I think it's a terrible look for the sport. Um, and look, I feel sorry for Joanna. Um, she's, a, she's a very compelling person. She's an amazing fighter. And uh, it sucks that... Uh, it sucks for Watterson too, but I mean, it's just, I, I find that very worrying to be honest, you know, and I hope they have, like the UFC have done in the past, they've stuck uh, medical teams around fighters who they believe will be struggling to make the way. And I just really hope that she's around the clock supervision here. There's no point in um, hurting yourself, you know, that's worrying to me. Yeah, if health comes first and foremost. Uh, if she can make the weight, great. But I, I don't know if you heard any of the, the stories of Rose and Pat Barry were telling. They would, like, bump into Ioana before their first fight. And she, they said she did not seem mentally there at all. She was, like, saying all of these weird things and was really freaking them out. And maybe it did have to do with the weight cut. I don't know. All I know is if Ioana has obviously struggled to make weight before, if she can make the weight healthy, great. But she clearly can't. And I don't want to see Ioana and Jacek get up on that scale looking terrible, uh, looking real sucked out and struggling to even step up on the scale. But that fight's not canceled for those listening now. For people who listen later on, maybe that fight has already happened and all of this worked out. But for right now, for our live audience, this fight's not canceled. We're going to move along from longtime commenter Trumbo. He's asked a lot of questions, but we're going to get this one. I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, specifically P.T. Carroll. Star quality oh, versus actual star. Israel Adesanya versus Conor McGregor. A lot of comparisons of Izzy and Conor. Izzy <laughs> definitely has the star qualities, but does or what will trans or does or will that translate into the actual superstar? Despite having all the makings of a star, is there any indi- indication yet on the pay-per-view buys used to 243? Will he actually cross over to being a star like Conor, GSP, Chuck Liddell, etc.? Connecting with casual fans, is there any evidence that he does this? And at this moment, from the actual numbers, curious your opinion. So, P.T. Carroll, you were there. 
I'm sure it was a different environment being in Australia, considering that's the part of the world Israel outside is from. That's where Robert Whitaker's from. So that rivalry between Australia and New Zealand obviously played that big part. But as someone who saw the genesis of Conor McGregor's rise through superstardom, a lot of people compare Israel Adesanya's ascension to Conor McGregor's ascension. You asked Israel Adesanya at Media Day about like that. <laughs> Israel Adesanya did not like that. He goes, I don't know why you keep saying that. I'm trying to be the best me. I don't like, I may have the same management company as Conor McGregor. Yeah, but to be that's fair, and that's did. what the question was. So Izzy, you know, relax the cacks, my friend. All right. But um, yeah, look, I think it's stupid to be like, oh, you know, is he going to be as big as Connor, the biggest star the sport has ever produced? I don't know. That's going to be a bit of a push to forecast that one at the moment. But um, I do believe that he has the potential to be massive. Um, if you think about, we talked about this on the, the coffee talk with uh, Casey and Esther. Listen, look at the amount of different little kind of communities he hits, you know, with the, with the comic book people, uh, anime, um, not only is he a huge character in the Australasia region, he's going to be the lightning rod for the sport in Africa, I believe. And then even like the breakdancing communities, I think he's just dotted himself so much around and he's like active in um, the MMA memes and MMA kind of internet, social media. I think he's doing that better than anyone in the world. So does he have the potential to be a huge star like those names you just mentioned? Absolutely. Is he going to be bigger than Conor McGregor? He has said so, but you can't say Connor's name when you ask him that question, apparently. But um, no, I do I do believe, in all seriousness, I do believe he can be absolutely huge. Like, guys, just remember when when you are, are saying this can't happen, you also said he wasn't going to beat Robert Whittaker. So calm yourselves down. It's not going to happen overnight, but this guy is special. Um, like, I mean, even Casey was saying it, it, it's kind of like having a Ronda or a Connor there when you see him at the media day. He doesn't take a, a second. He never hesitates when you ask him a question. He's already thought about everything you could possibly put in front of him. Um, yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's going to be a huge star. Um, I believe he's going to have his haters along the way. And that's that's par for the course. But, yeah, I absolutely think he can be one of the biggest names in the sport. And he, he arguably already is. And as Casey said as well, this is the first guy that we've seen do this that has come into the UFC um, after the Reebok era has begun. You know, he has, he has managed to make himself look so unique, stand out from the crowd when they really aren't giving you a lot of chances to do that. And I think that speaks a lot to how big this guy can be. Yeah, and what was, what was Israel Adesanya's, what did he say? He wants, he can be the guy to make $100 million in the UFC. He says, you don't need boxing. You a fighter can make a hundred million dollars in the UFC and I'm going to be the one to do it. So he sets his, sets his goals high. He does, he said, but again, he also said he doesn't want to be here for a long time. He wants to be here for a good time. I don't know how long he keeps fighting. He said right now he's still having fun ah, as my light falls down. Uh, but is there, there's still obviously questions in terms of his actual fighting inside the octagon. Like how does he do against an elite wrestler like a Yola Romero? Yeah. Kelvin is a great wrestler. He's not Yoel Romero. I think a lot of people thought the same, asked the same questions about Conor when he was getting all these fights, like against Dennis Seaver, against Poirier, against Diego Brandel, and then he fights Chad Mendes, and you see what happens. But then you see him fight Habib, and you see what happens. So for people saying he's never had a test, the test is coming. It just hasn't happened yet. I was saying that when Conor was coming up. Like, why is he fighting all these strikers? Like, he's going to get a wrestler eventually. He can't just avoid them forever. So uh, there's still questions there. That was one of the questions that was in the comment section. How would you do against a wrestler? We don't know. It's coming. Uh, 
Another question from Trumbo, though, is Paulo Costa, would he be a problem for Israel Adesanya? If you watch his fight with Raya Hall, he's much better at keeping the fight in boxing range, and his chin and pressure is unreal. He has cardio issues, it seems, but do you think Izzy can deal with the power and the pressure? How do you see this fight going? Pizza Carol, before I kick this over to you, I love Paulo Costa versus Israel Adesanya. I think that is, I think you said it on the, maybe the coffee talk, it's power versus just Israel Adesanya's dynamic elite striking. I think this is a awesome clash of stylistic matchups. They're both strikers, so it's, it's not really going to go to the canvas at all. You saw Paulo Costa just stand straight in front of Yoel Romero, just ripping those hooks to the bodies over and over and over. Paulo Costa was there. You saw him at media day. He looks absolutely monstrous. What are your thoughts on Paulo Costa versus Israel Adesanya? Yeah, it's huge. The markability factor in the fight is absolutely huge. They must be the two biggest cutie boys in the middleweight division at the moment. And they're also like, they're also fantastic fighters. Like, I mean, and that style matchup caters to casual fans around the world. Um, you know, a lot of times I'll tell my friends if uh, two strikers are going to be fighting with, with good knockout records because that's the kind of MMA they suddenly tune in for. And um, yeah, I think it's a huge fight for the middleweight division. And I'm very excited about it because... Sometimes you get the impression when you talk to people, you know, they don't know how a fight will go They're, You know, they want to look into a bit more. But you speak to Israel and you speak speak to Paolo, as I did last week, and you look them dead in the eyes and they are adamant that they are going to kill the other guy. Like, I mean, they, they read like Israel's talking about it, like as in what it's going to show the world when I do this. Like, oh, my God, when I beat this big muscle bound guy and like. Costa is like shaking nearly talking about um, Israel calling him a juice head and saying he's going to break his face. I mean, these guys have an amazing dynamic where they want to uh, commend each other for that. I doubt that's going to happen, but I think it's a, a fucking huge fight for the middleweight division, man. Absolutely massive. And um, either way, it creates a massive, massive star at the top of that division, which is needed for this great era that we currently have at 185. You hit it right on the head. I've been saying that all week. The winner of Paulo Costa is Israel Asanya. Yes, Israel Asanya is a superstar. Paulo Costa, as me, us, and the MMA media say, looks good getting off the bus. He looks like a fighter. You see that guy walking down the street, you go, that guy is either an athlete or, more specifically, that guy fights people for a living. Uh, or he just he has just a side a job. Yeah, or he has a side job playing Superman in a Brazilian soap opera. Uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the winner of Israel Adesanya versus Paulo Costa is going to be a megastar. Whether it's Israel Adesanya puts on another performance like he did against Robert Whitaker, I think a lot of people thought Robert Whitaker would be his toughest test. And I think that was his easiest fight in terms of inside the octagon he's ever had. He pitched a perfect game. It was very reminiscent of Connor running through Eddie Alvarez. If he well, follows can, can that up... So can I just say, like, we had a question about wrestlers earlier on. Do you know that Robert Whittaker was going to be on the in the Commonwealth Games because of how good of a wrestler he is? Like, I yeah, think, yeah. I know he didn't wrestle that much, but Jesus, if it was there, he would have went for it. You know, like he, he would have went for it. Like, uh, sorry, I cut you off there, but I was just thinking about that as we said. Robert Whittaker came into the sport as a striker and completely evolved to the point where he was taking Yol Romero down at points in their fight. So I mean. It's not just about like running in and shooting a double leg. You have to create the openings, and he couldn't against Israel. So, you know, that says a lot about his ability to keep wrestlers off him already, I believe. Yeah, and you, and you obviously watch Israel Asana versus Kelvin Gaslam. Israel Kelvin Gaslam was shooting for takedowns. Israel would stuff them. And then in that fifth round, he throws up a triangle choke off his back, this elite-level kickboxing champion. 
is now throwing these crisp triangle chokes off his back in the fifth round of a championship fight after four rounds of hell. I think there's a lot that Israel Adesanya hasn't shown us. Uh, I'm very curious to see what happens when he does fight a wrestler, but that will come eventually. Uh, he can't avoid them forever, especially if, if, if he's going to fight John Jones. John Jones is an amazing wrestler himself, too. He took Daniel Cormier down. But again, 2021, I don't want to keep talking about John Jones versus Israel Adesanya <laughs> because I hate that fight. Uh, but That's way about That's way about Apology accepted. But another question from Ted Bear. Oh, from actually from Lodovic. Uh, I'm trying to. Uh, Ted, Ted Bear asked a lot of questions. He asked a lot of good questions. But we gotta we gotta give other people the opportunity, especially because this one in particular, Pizza Carol. Another one since you were there. Hi guys, how surprised are you by the outcome of Ally Quinta versus Dan Hooker? What do you think? What What did you think about when you saw, and what should be next for both fighters? So maybe a little grammar. Uh, should be thrown in there but yes pizza carol uh dan yeah. hooker dan hooker beat ally Kinta. called him out said come fight me at ufc 243 ally Kinta obliged him and then dan hooker not only emerges victorious but didn't break a sweat doing it got caught even there's that picture of him caught in a leg lock and him giving like wh- wagging his finger saying no 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 you don't got me wins the fight Gets asked a question, doesn't answer the question, says, Dustin Poirier, I'm going to break your face, come fight me in New Zealand, I'll end you, and then walks away. Outside of Israel Asanya, doesn't get much better than that at UFC 243. As someone who was there, how did Dan Hooker come off in that arena? Oh, amazingly well. And the, and the interesting thing about that performance is Dan's a wild man usually. He's um, cautioned to the wind. He just goes in and, and tries to blitzkrieg guys. And um, it was the most mature um least flawed performance of his career because he was so composed and because he was taking his time. And he actually said the reason why he fought like that is because Al, as much as he complimented him and clearly respect Hooker, he said something like, I think when it comes down to it, I have better skills than him. And that forced Hooker to fight that way. We genuinely don't see that man go to decision a lot. And after seeing that masterclass, I'm like, Jesus, he should fight like that every single time. Um, I thought he was unbelievable. Um, I appreciate the the post-fight call-out. And to be honest, like, Poirier's trying to play that McGregor lottery game. Like, McGregor, like, like, look, when the word from McGregor's camp is, like, you have John Kavanaugh saying, suddenly, I want to fight Frankie Edgar. That happens for a reason, man. Like, you know, he that means that Connor probably wants to fight Frankie Edgar next. It's very silly for Dustin Poirier to hang around if the sounds from the camp are saying otherwise. Um, so, yeah, I like that fight a lot. It, it's, like, I feel sorry for Dustin, though, because Dustin was an absolute savage for going to Abu Dhabi and, and fighting Habib. And then when the fight after that, you want them to travel all the way to the other side of the world. It's even further than Melbourne. And and you're going to, you know, that's, that's a tough ask for me, to be honest. Um, I do like the fight, but um, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame Al if he, I mean, sorry, Dustin, if he didn't want to do it. I think you'd have to kind of say fair enough, you know, like if he doesn't want to do that after what he's done, Fair enough, man. Like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be upset with you. Um, what about Cerrone or someone like that? I that's what I, I think. That's the name that makes the most sense. Don Cerrone's been doing like there was a point in time where Don Cerrone <clears throat> pretty much only fought in the United States, but then you saw him. Where did he fight Darren Till? Was that Poland? That was like over. That was overseas, yes, right? Dansk. Yeah. Yeah, he fought him in Dansk, and then he fought Leon Edwards in Singapore. Uh, he fought Al in Ottawa. He fought Justin Gaethje in Vancouver. So he's doing a lot more international fights. So if he wants to keep that up, he doesn't really care who he fights. He's one of those guys that just likes doing it. And if he wants a guy that will bring the scrap, as Dan Hooker says, 
the answer is Dan Hooker. I mean, so Donald Cerrone, Dan Hooker, I think would be an awesome fight night fight. What was it, in Auckland? That's where they wanted to do it. So I like that fight. I like his Dustin Poirier fight better, but I don't think the Poirier fight's going to happen for Dan Hooker. I think Cerrone is the most logical next opponent for Dan Hooker. And that's, that's not a bad thing either. I mean, Phil, I'll watch Dan Hooker fight either of those guys. I like Al Iaquinta versus Gregor Gillespie as well. Uh, I believe Gregor Gillespie is fighting Kevin Lee in New York City, so I, I think I believe they're booked up. Oh yeah, sorry, Jesus, yeah. Um, but I, I like. I'm glad to hear to, that Gregor's getting a fight like that that can push him into that mix because he's a savage. Like, and people have been crying out for him to get a fight like that. Sorry, that just slipped my mind there. Thanks for. Uh, there's for a lot of fight. There's a lot like Islam Makhachev is out there. You got uh, who is it? Uh, Ed- All right, but let's let's Islam right. I get it, right? I get it. But at the same time, like, he needs to take big steps. Like, I mean, it was, like, fair enough, Javi Silva is a great fighter and he got the win over him there last time. But it was 10 minutes of pretty much nothing and then he exploded in the last round. Um, I feel like before that, after he had taken his first loss in the UFC, they just kept on putting him against, like, similarly leveled opponents. And I want to see him take that big step up. So... That's one thing. I, I don't think he's answered all the questions just yet, Islam Makashev. I'm not buzzing about him. You know what I mean? I'm not like, Islam Makashev's going to fight. Holy shit, let me just cancel everything. You know, but um, he could be that guy, but he isn't that guy yet. I agree. Uh, I'm not saying Dan Hooker could should fight uh, Islam Makashev. Islam, uh, Dan Hooker went on Twitter saying, like, that dude doesn't put bums in seats. I'll fight. I, he wants to sell out Auckland the first time he headlines. Then he, but to Dan Hooker's credit, he goes, "I'll fight Islam in his backyard after I fight someone else in my backyard." So, Dan Hooker's down to fight Islam Makhachev in Moscow. Sign me up. But maybe Ali Kinta versus Islam. Uh, Ali Kinta's on a what two fight losing streak. Uh, I don't know. Like, if, I'm sure he would want a higher ranked fighter. I know Barboza's out there. Felder's out there. You got a lot of great I lightweights love, I right love now. that fight. I love that fight that you just mentioned, Iaquinta versus Makachev. I think that's amazing. I really like that. I like that fight a lot too. Ali Kinta obviously fought. His I think I would like teammate. It. I agree too. So uh, book it. Throw it on the uh, few card next year. Maybe they go back to Brooklyn. Uh, I know Al likes fighting in New York. So obviously, there's that huge Russian population in Brooklyn. I think that fight makes a lot of sense. Throw that on a ESPN or a pay per view card in Brooklyn or New York. But. We're going to move along. We're running out on time. Uh, before we hop over to Twitter, uh, LMFWA, uh, PT, I have not forgot. You have to come up with an acronym for that. But Ryzen versus Bellator, Rampage versus Fedor. I freaking love cross promotion. I'm all for it. UFC versus Pride, UFC versus Mayweather, and now Ryzen versus Bellator. How do you think this affects the open market free agency and MMA knowing that UFC competitors are willing to work together to make big events and matchups like this? So, PT, you've watched Ryzen all the time. On our site, you are closer to that part of the world than me, so you watch a lot more of that. I'm, I saw you. Did you wrote up the? Did you write up the article this morning on Rise and Soul? Yeah. Fedor versus Rampage Jackson, Pride 2.0, Blast from the Path is happening December 29th in Ryzen in their big New Year's Eve card in Japan. What is your thoughts? Is this fight awesome in 2019, or am I just getting my hopes up? No, I thought it was very funny whoever put that meme underneath, underneath the article where it was like, what year is it? And it's <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, it's it's crazy, but it also makes sense. You know, it, it, look, we're not we're not jumping up and down for it over here, but these guys are bona fide legends, what they did in Pride. And um, 
yeah, it's probably going to sell a lot over there and it's going to genuinely uh, garner a lot of interest. So, I mean, that helps everyone. That's what we're looking for here. And I do think it's it's really cool when this happens. Um, I loved Caldwell very, v. Haraguchi. And Bellator seem to be the real instigators of this every time. I mean, I really want to see them do a show in Eastern Europe with KSW and pit some champions against each other. Like, I'd love to see that. Like, and I think it would it would really put KSW on the map to have to, to be fighting these Bellator guys. And it would also give Bellator a great foot into Eastern Europe. Nobody can compete with KSW over there. So I, I think it's fantastic. I, I maybe look in the Western world, we're looking at that fight going, oh, look at these dinosaurs or whatever. But I do think it's going to pack out an arena in uh, Saitama. You know what I mean? These guys are legends. So it makes sense. These guys have been promoting fights there for a long, long time. And um, yeah, it makes sense for them, to be honest. And, um, you know, it's tough, obviously, Fedor coming off the Bader loss. But um, I wasn't sitting there watching the press conference and like, this is a disgrace. I wasn't looking at it like Chuck and Tito. You know what I mean? Yeah, it wasn't that level of like, what are, what are we doing here, folks? Uh, but I love what you brought up, the KSW cross-promotion with Bellator. I sp- spoke with Mario Lewandowski back in July. He came over, and we did a really long sit-down, or, uh, a long sit-down with him where he talked That's about it. Like, he, he's talked with Bellator, Scott Coker specifically. He's talked with Ryzen, uh, all of those guys. But it just comes down to timing, uh, money. Uh, obviously, you, you want... Me- they're down to put their champions up against the other promotions champions but like you get that weird like what if my champion loses and all of a sudden ryan bader is also now the ksw heavyweight champion how often is he going to come back and defend his title so there were a lot of um things that need to be sorted out for that happened but he said i am very interested in making cross running with coker and rising he'd love to do it with the ufc that's never going to happen and They'll probably, he's going to try and do an event in Chicago. He really wants to do an event in Chicago uh, in the U.S. of A. He said there's a really big Polish market there, and they want to test the waters in the United States and Chicago. So if they can find success in the United States and that opens up that market, that's another another player in in the Western Hemisphere. In MMA, not going to catch the UFC, but you could have those fun. Like maybe they send uh, Phil DeFries over to Bellator and he fights on a San Jose card, oh, New, York, New York I card. I love joking? everything about it. Who's who like going like, oh, I can't wait till Ryan Bader faces this guy at heavyweight. You know, and I know there's great heavyweights there, but it's just not compelling a lot of interest at the moment. So, I mean, I feel as though, oh, I was going to ask you, you know, Today, Scott Coker said at that announcement, uh, sorry, at that press conference, that three, a team of three Bellator fighters will go across and fight uh, Ryzen fighters. Do you have anyone off the top of your head? Can I just make a pitch for James Gallagher versus Manuel Cape? That would be absolutely Ooh. unbelievable. Ooh, I love that fight. Awesome shit talkers, man. Two unbelievable sellers. I think they would light that place on fire, man. And, and look, James has told me in the past he'd love to go over and fight in Japan. I think it's brilliant. I'd love it. it he told you specifically he'd like to challenge himself against Horiguchi, specifically inside a ring. Like, he wants to fight yeah, yeah. in a ring. Uh, I, I believe Patricky Pitbull, the, the not like Patricio's brother, is going to do something on that card, too. So I like to see like, Yeah, you're right. I think. There's I like I wish Ryan I wish Bader could go over there and maybe have like not a championship fight but like a really fun Jerry Prohaska Jerry Prohaska is a is a fighter that's crying out for a challenger at two oh four. Like he's already beat Al Brexton, who was just signed by Bellator. Um he literally he was on Eurobash after he won that title calling out Ryan Bader. So I mean 
Maybe don't maybe it. don't make it a championship belt, make it a catchweight at two ten or something and let them just get it on because they don't get along. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like just send Ryan over there for like a fun fight. Send uh like obviously Fedor and Rampage are going over there, so like like Chael's retired, but like why not send Lyoto Machida over to Ryzen, have him fight in Japan? He obviously has roots there. I would love to see Lyoto Machida fight inside a ring again. Gegard Musasi too. I know he is probably going to fight Rafael Lovato Jr. down the road. But there's a, a list of Bellator fighters I would absolutely love to see fight over there. Michael Chandler, toss him over there. Uh, I, any of well, the top, I'm, any fight, any fighter. I really believe that Gallagher and Cape could like make a genuinely like really interesting fight because Cape talks some mad shit, man. Talk some mad shit. Like, and people know who he is. And people, if they even started saying, oh, they're giving him another can, you're being ridiculous. That guy is a savage. Uh, James has proven himself. Those two coming together and fighting on in a ring in Japan on close to New Year's Eve, man, that would be unbelievable. You'd have so many Europeans tuning in to watch James too. Like, I mean, I know people don't like him and they get all upset about him, but people genuinely tune in. He sold out an arena twice now and he's 22 years of age come on guys and that's a fight where if you put that underneath Fedor versus Rampage they're gonna get fallout they're gonna get eyes on them yeah. for people tuning into Fedor versus Rampage and they're gonna see these two guys just throwing like venomous insults at each other the whole lead up it's gonna be a crazy scene to begin with they could come off as massive stars especially yeah. fighting right before Fedor versus Rampage and look and look it's it's um you, you saw the demeanor between Fedor and Rampage. Like, they aren't going to be extending themselves to sell stuff. They have massive respect for each other. You can tell that they, they know each other pretty well at this stage. So having a guy like James over there to upset, you know, the situation. And Cape is always just at that shit, man. He was talking mad shit before he fought Horiguchi. Everything, man. It's And look, it's a classic style matchup as well. Uh, Cape swings for the fences. James is an artist on the ground. Look, I think if you're ever going to put a fight together, that's the one. Make it, make it happen. Make it happen, Pizzi Carroll. Back in the back in the Bellator booking committee once again. He he's been there many a time, and the fights always pan out great. But real quick, Pizzi Carroll, I know you want to answer this question. Tito from Twitter, Tito Ortiz versus Alberto El Patron. Should we care? That is the question for Batum. No, no, stop. If you are stop, if you're caring, stop it right now. Slap for yourself. For 39.99. Look at the mirror and slap yourself. All right? Think about think about what the fuck you, you're asking yourself right now. No. All right? Absolutely not. Jesus Christ. Control yourself. Sit down in a dark room for a while and have a word with yourself. All right? You don't need to ask me that question. That's a ridiculous question. For 39.99 pay-per-view in Hidalgo, Texas, which is about as far south as you can go, and still be in the United States. So, Pizza Cal doesn't like it. Do you care more about? All right. So, what if you that those fights say that fight happens on the same? Well, I know your answer. Art Lobov is going to rematch Jason Knight, bare knuckle boxing. How how do you feel about that one? Mm, yeah, don't know. I'm not wasn't not sold on it. Not a big fan of bare knuckle boxing signing Vandalay and uh, Hector Lombard either. Considering Hector Lombard oh, is an Olympic judokan. 
and now you're taking away his biggest skill set and having him fight people when he's what how many knockout losses has he had in a row like he got knocked out by Dan Henderson he's been knocked out by Neil Magny Anthony Smith put him through the ringer you're taking his best skill set away taking the gloves off and having him go fist fight people inside of a circle I don't like that at all. Never want to see Vanderlei Silva fight ever again at all. I know there's an article on our site where he said he has he's feeling the effects of CTE already. Never yeah. fight again, Vanderlei Silva. Yeah, and Jesus, like I can remember, uh, Vanderlei came to Dublin all all those years ago. He had just signed for the UFC. I don't think he, I think he was injured for a while. He was getting all those face surgeries, so he hadn't fought yet. And just seeing how. People idolize them and they're falling all over themselves to train with them. And now from to be in this situation, and look, it's not that it's not that I don't accept that Artem and Jason had this fantastic fight the first time around, but I just feel like what like bare knuckles should have that on the back burner. That should be there, Jones and Adesanya. You know, they should be like, you know, after these guys fight a few more times, you can do that. I'm just like, lads, is this it? Like, you're going to the well with that one already. Like, you don't have other options here. I think that's that's what's annoying me about that, to be honest. Look and, and look, Godspeed them. I hope they make lots of money and and everything like that. It's not their fault, but really, if I'm fighting for these guys and I've already, you know, left so much of myself in there already fighting that guy, I'm like, why aren't we? You know, people are always going to want to watch that fight if they're in the mood for that kind of fighting. So why the hell are we doing this again so early? Is this it? Is this is are we already at this level? Like I've just fought Pauly Malinaji and now you fight the guy you fought first time around. I don't know. That's that's yeah. why, that's why. I don't like it. So, Pizzi, call up your Bellator booking committee, get Bellator to sign Artem Lovov, toss him in a, in a rising ring, and watch magic happen. I would love to see that. But one final question from Twitter, from the, who? What is this Twitter handle? From Denny Rance. What movies did Pizzi watch? Sean Denny. Sean Denny. What movies did Pizzi watch on his flights back from Melbourne? I watched um, the new Liam Gallagher documentary, which was made by my friend Gavin Fitzgerald, and it's absolutely amazing. Um, I watched the Diego Maradona documentary. It was absolutely amazing. I watched a three Louis Theroux documentaries, and I watched and uh, yeah, I watched a bit of the new South Park, I think. I'm not too sure. That is a very eclectic demographic of movies and documentaries you watched on a flight back from Melbourne, but... I'm going to put you on the spot because you and I have been talking a lot of greasiness online. Anthony Walker, <laughs> our good friend, jumped in the middle of this too. Uh, I know you asked me for my uh, review. Why did you like the Joker and why are you wrong? <laughs> it's an acting masterclass. It's beautifully shot. I have never read a comic book about this guy, but I also never heard the initial version of Dazed and Confused, but I thought Led Zeppelin's one fucking ruled. So why wouldn't I like this? Why do I need to read the fucking comic books to have an opinion on this? It's just you being over-precious about the past. That's all it is. Get off your high horse. You, you were the guy that pushed people into lockers in high school, weren't you? You're on T John Jones. John Jones throwing all this shade at people that watch Dragon Ball Z. Pizza Carroll throwing shade at people that read comic books. You're the menace. You're the monster. No, I'm throwing shade at you, throwing shade at me because I've never read a goddamn comic book. All right, I'm so here, 
All right, it has nothing to... Yes, I did not enjoy the plot based off of the comic books. Didn't like their use of Gary Glitter's music at all. I thought that was real... That was a terrible decision. Uh, I don't even know Gary Glitter's song, so how, the, how would I even know that? Like, were you a big fan before the news broke? <laughs> no, but I, I've been to sporting events. I know that song exists in the world. Wasn't a fan of that. Thought I could get into this. I could do a whole episode on this. If you want to hear my opinion... I want, I want. I want you to do a feature on Death Note, and I want you to do a feature Death, on this. Ooh. I'll do Death Note, Israel Adesanya, and Naruto, and then I'll explain why Pizza Kale's wrong. I was waiting for that to pop up in the email thread. I'm going to explain this to everyone. And me and Casey were like, oh, he's definitely going to do it. He's definitely going to do something. And then he just sits there talking shit about Joker, which is going to win a lot of Oscars, and rub it in Jose's beautiful, beautiful hey, face. to be fair, to be fair, I think Joaquin Phoenix, out of everyone that has ever played the Joker, has captured the physical mannerisms of the clown prince of crime better than any living human being that has ever lived. I thought the plot was... And you're going six out of ten for that. You know what those six points are? Those six points are solely from the acting. I thought the plot was stupid. I thought the music was poorly placed. Uh, didn't it? I thought if you just took away the Joker, that's just a movie about a man dipping into madness. Why even use the Joker? That's just a cash grab for the people that, hey, we'll make a movie about the Joker, just make him a crazy man. Didn't enjoy that at all. That could have been a movie about anyone not named the Joker. I know our comments love this. I could talk about this forever because now Batman's sole purpose in life is to combat a revolutionary movement in a city. Tom Foolery. That's what I said. Hogwash. Poppycock. And I spit in the general direction of whoever made that movie because now the Joker comes before Batman, which is Hogwash 2, and now Batman has to go fight a movement? Stop it. Stop it. Jesus. I know Pizza and Carol loves you. You want to borrow one of these 800 comic books behind me? Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe you'll grow a real mustache after you can read it. I don't deserve this. I'm colorblind. This is prejudice. <laughs> you had it coming with your ten. What Sean L. Shiny messaged me. He was like, "That's the greatest movie I've ever seen." I was like, "Wow, it must be really good." And I went to see it. I was like, "Ah, yeah, it's all right." Ah, he's a liar because he told me, "Oh, wait, and I tell you about people throwing me in a locker every time I tell people I haven't seen the Princess, whatever it's called, the Princess Bride." Jesus. Oh we my S God! I, uh, did Esther and Casey just disown you after you told them that? So did Shaheen. They just walked away for me and they kicked me in the shins a few times and punched me in the face that's what yeah, happened casey that's... casey hits me too often brian please have a word it's 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 hurting me it's breaking me down <laughs> if you would have told me you never seen the princess bride and i would say next to you i would have done worse i would have i don't want to get into it right now Joker but better film the princess bride is basically oh my what say. god what a horrendous thing for anyone to ever say bite your tongue pc carol you better pray you're not in Las Vegas in December or I'm coming after you. I'm going to come over the table and come after you. But we're going to end this. Give us a spot in the brilliance. <sighs> yeah, dude, you don't want any of this smoke. I'll tell you that much. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm anyway, I'm for Jose, that's PT PT. If you want to do a promo, the floor is yours. I know you've been working feverishly on that acronym this whole episode. Yeah, I just, you see, it's just, just it's too vulgar for me to say what I, <laughs> Oh, no. I just wrote a series of curse words after each letter, so I mean, that's as far as I got with that. For my promo, I spoke to Esther at length about this, actually, in Melbourne. If you're going to take your fucking shoes off on a plane, do it immediately as soon as you get on the plane. Don't wait for 10 hours into a 14-hour flight to expose your disgusting odor feet, you smelly 
fuck. That really upset me on the way over there. I was going to carve someone up. I'm not messing with you. I was just looking at him. And then my eyebrow started doing this twitchy thing. And then he was like, oh, sorry, mate. I need to have a piss. And I was like, I will break your fucking face. Don't you? The smell of your feet is disgusting. I can't even eat this shitty pasta that he just gave me. I can't, you know, so just, just beware of that. Or else wear flip-flops so you can just avoid the problem altogether. Jesus. So when we fight, I'm going to have that guy in my corner. He's going to be my cornerman when we fight. He's already dead. He's already <laughs> dead. He never, he, never, he, he never reached his final destination. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. He didn't even make it to customs. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I did not think Pizzi was going to go scorched earth on a man that took his shoes off on a plane. But I guess for my promo is, why is everyone hating on anime all of a sudden? Because John Jones said, made, said, said something bad about Dragon Ball Z. I love Dragon Ball Z. And I love Death Note. And I love Naruto. And it is a joy to see a fellow weeb with a Calvin and Hobbes tattoo. Shout out to Israel Adesanya for also having one. Uh... Reach the pinnacle of sport. It gives hope to all of us anime nerds with Calvin Hobbes tattoos out there. Stop making fun of us, John Jones. I don't know what we ever did to you. I bet you like Dragon Ball Z, and you just don't want to admit. I know Angela Hill is a big is is it flies the weed fan very well out there. So for Jose, that's Pizzi Carroll, a very agitated Pizzi Carroll. Don't Keep take your, your shoes. shoes on. Yeah. So from this point on, if you see Pizzi Carroll, just run up and take your shoes off and and start talking to him. I would love everything legs. about it. I'll rip your legs off your body. Everyone should eat pictures of their feet at Pizza Carol. He'll love it. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I really would. I really would. <laughs> oh, God. And with that, I'm Jose. That's Pizza Carol. We're out. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smart Water Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero setup, developer first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.